Hello and welcome to Accessible Theology. My name is Aaron and I'm here with Michael. And our goal is to make the study of God's word accessible to our listeners so that we and you would better love God, know truth, and live accordingly. Hello and welcome to Accessible Theology. Uh, we are uh, continuing with the format that we have. Uh, we're trying to, to give clear and short uh, definitions and explanations of particular topics uh, relating to theology without any sort of preparation. Uh, so just a reminder that we, you know, we're not sitting down and and preparing and writing out notes and saying, oh, what are we going to say for this episode? We're, we're just going off the cuff here uh, so that you can uh, see how someone else does that because I'm sure there are people who come up to you and, and ask you questions, uh, theological questions that you don't have time to prepare for and you got to just talk through it with them. Uh, so that's what we're trying to replicate here uh, at Accessible Theology and we give ourselves three minutes uh, to to talk about the topic and define it and then have some follow-up conversation. So that's exactly what we're going to do right now. And our topic uh, for this episode is um, number 24, the Holy Spirit as down payment, a phrase that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. So I'm going to read that verse and send Michael off for his three-minute explanation. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glorious grace. Uh, Michael, your time starts now. All right, so the phrase down payment, or as some translations might say pledge, is crucial in Scripture as we think about what it is to be saved. When we are given the Holy Spirit as a down payment, what it does not mean is it's not working like when you think about buying a car or a house right now. So many of us might hear that term and you might think, okay, well, down payment is when I put you know, a thousand down on the car, then I get the car and then I have massive interest rates and I can still get penalized. And if, not, and if I don't pay, then they can come take my car. Well, that's not what Paul's doing here. So if you hear down payment, I think we want to be very careful and understand what he's saying. He's not saying it's not sure and that you just have a little bit given. In their day, the down payment was an assurance. It wasn't something that was revocable and was often given in their context and in their day, specifically when Paul is writing, it was given by a king or a pledge. It was made by somebody who had the authority and the back and the backing to give great confidence. And I would go even go beyond uh, great confidence, just say absolute assurance. So what's significant to say is this. When Paul says the Holy Spirit is given as a down payment or as maybe as some or we could say as an installment of our inheritance, what that is getting at is that we are assured salvation. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. When the Holy Spirit is given and he is indwelling us, we will be saved. Another thing to note, as maybe a little bit of an aside, but why it's important to see the down payment here is that there's a Trinitarian reference that's easy to miss here in verse 13. If you if you are looking at, sometimes the English translations don't bring it up as well, but in the Greek, the word where it says we're sealed in him, 
with the Holy Spirit, the sealing is actually referencing the Father. It goes back to the Father that we're sealed by the Father in Him, which is a reference to Christ, if you're following the argument, by the Holy Spirit, which is a beautiful portrayal. We see over and over again in the New Testament that the work of salvation is Trinitarian. Our triune God is accomplishing our salvation. And the Holy Spirit in this context is the down payment, meaning he indwells us. He lives within us now. He's given to us as a permanent promise of our salvation. So all Christians, by nature of having the Holy Spirit, are guaranteed that we will receive the inheritance, which is our full redemption. It is guaranteed. It's our own possession. It is sure and final. So that's what I want you to get mainly from this idea of down payment as the uh, the Holy Spirit being the down payment is it's absolutely assured that because you have the Spirit as a Christian that you will receive the full inheritance, which is salvation. It is glorification. All of the golden chain of redemption we see at the end of Romans 8 is ours because we have this down payment. Amen. And that is of great hope for us. So one of the things I think that might help us understand this idea a little bit better is um, even just to continue on in verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. We know that this is a sure thing. Um, but then there's the phrase, until we acquire possession of it, or we could go with the marginal reading or until God redeems his possession. How does that relate to to uh, the Holy Spirit as our down payment? What does that mean for us as Christians? Uh, and, and why is that phrase there? Why is it important for us? Yeah. So the giving of the Holy Spirit, if, you, if you're familiar with Pauline literature, is actually connected deeply to adoption, which is very important. So in Galatians 4, we're said that the Holy Spirit is poured out in our hearts and by the Spirit within Christ, Abba, Father. Paul is thinking when he uses these terms of inheritance of what it is to be adopted or brought into a family or to be in a family and to be having the rights, which in that day meant getting an allotment from your father, from the one who is your head. And so what's important to see here is that the Holy Spirit is the first installment. And when you get God as your first installment... (laughs) My mm. goodness, are you in a good spot? Mm. Like th- right. there is some richness to this text. You are God is giving you Himself to say, "Trust me, yeah. I have you, and I'm giving you my very self." And so this is so rich; it's unbelievable. And why I mentioned adoption, why it's important, is that knowing that as adopted children, that we've been given the inheritance, which is God Himself giving Himself to us in many ways, that the assurance that we have that he will come through on this promise then is complete. Mm -hmm. And that, and Aaron mentioned the marginal reading, there's the discussion on whether it's we receive the inheritance or we are God's inheritance. I think there's actually room for potentially being either one. I, I, there's a big debate about, I don't think it's worth getting to in this particular episode. (laughs) Really? Yeah. um, What I would say is this, either way you go there, it's deeply rich. Either God is going to bring about you as his own gift to himself, or God is going to give you the gift of him. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it shows the unity and the closeness that we now have with God by virtue of the indwelling spirit who is our down payment. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful. I, I, I like 
uh, I liked the uh, the phrase I think you used of if if God is the first installment, then <laughs> yeah, whatever comes next is also going to be great. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think Paul's saying a similar thing here to what he says in uh, Romans eight thirty two when he says, "If God did not spare His own Son, how will He not?" in Christ freely give us all things, right? He's already given us his son. He's already given us his spirit. And so God's given us himself already. Right. And I I just think that the, if you miss that, or if you think, well, what about a nice house? If you're thinking that your, your understanding is puny. Yeah. We are, God is saying, I'm giving you me. Right. And he's greater than this world. And I think what, What's important to see in Paul's context of Romans 8 32, what I just mentioned, is, is he's using a lesser to greater argument. He's saying, he's like, I gave you Jesus. Like, I mm. gave you my beloved, only begotten son. Yeah. If And if, which Christ is greater than everything else he could give us combined. So the fact that he gives us himself shows us the goodness of God's intentions for his children. Yeah. And, and even, I mean, you can go back up to, verse five to see this idea of adoption. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ and, and just following the flow of argument that, that comes in between uh, verse five and, and where we, we picked up uh, in verse 13, 14, the guarantee of our inheritance. Our inheritance is the fact that we are going to be brought into the family of God and the initiatory act of that is receiving the Holy spirit um, and so I, that, that's what starts it. And yet there's more yet to come. Uh, and, and that is going to be, you know, seen in, in the return of Christ and all of that. But, um, yeah, there's still, there's still more that we're waiting for. I, I mean, even though, as Paul says earlier, we are seated in the heavenly places, we have every spiritual blessing, uh, but our guarantee, our hope, the, the thing that, that starts this process is, is that we're given the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's big. That's and, big. And let me say this is a way to help. I think this, this analogy, when I first heard it, I can't remember who it was who said it, but it, it really made me. It was probably me. Of this. It was, yeah. Yeah. I see that you were John Piper. Oh, you guys okay. well, all the time. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> um, but what, what's really neat is if you read the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the book of Esther, and you think about it this way. The king puts his seal on the fact that all the Jews need to be destroyed according to Haman's command. Mm. And if you and if you follow that story, even though Haman's plot is uncovered and he's hung, we're told the seal's irrevocable by the king. Nothing can change it to the point where the Jews have to be told, you need to defend yourselves, but we, the king couldn't stop his own army from going in because he set his seal on that announcement. You couldn't go back on mm. it. Mm. That's the assurance you have in this text, right? Yeah. So you take that idea, the same word in the in the um, in the Septuagint in the Greek language is used of sealing. There is the word for down payment. That's why some translations in verse thirteen actually say that we're sealed in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. What's so significant to see there is that the same idea of the king's irrevocably bad <laughs> command is irrevocably positive here. That. God cannot go back on this pledge. God cannot go back on this seal. And to the same extent that that, that King uh, Artaxerxes, yeah, the, the same extent that he could not go back on his seal, God cannot return his uh, 
promise void here. Hmm. Because he has set this seal, we will be saved. We will receive the inheritance and nothing can stop that. And that, I mean, that again is, is echoes of the Trinitarian reality of, of Mm -hmm. salvation where um, the Holy spirit is God. Mm -hmm. And so the, the inheritance, uh, the, the thing that we are being sealed with is the Holy spirit is God. And so, yeah, that just shows the the surety of it all. Now, um, just two things for clarification there, because you said the Septuagint was the translation of Esther. It's all of it. And Haman was hanged. Mm-hmm. He's not hung. I don't know. I never got, got that. It's yeah. not often that I correct you, but that's, I don't know, I, I hanged. <laughs> Um, just trying to be real here at accessible theology. Um, so yeah, this, this is, this is a massive, massive topic. Uh, The fact that, that we are sealed with the Holy spirit. Um, a question that we ask often is how does this, how does this matter for me as, as a Christian in my everyday daily walk with Christ? Yeah. I want to connect. We've already mentioned Romans eight thirty two, the fact that he will freely give us all things. And we already know that he gave us himself, right? So that he didn't spare his own son, but he gave us his son. And now through the work of the son, it's applied by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit applies that. And it's almost as though the Holy Spirit taking the work of Jesus and applying it when you believe, that's your seal. Mm-hmm. It's connected. And what's glorious to see then is what Paul says elsewhere in conjunction with this how will he not freely give us hmm. all other things you could say, right? So yeah, here's yeah. the thing. So day to day, as you live in this life, you 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 have struggle. Maybe it's physical ailments. Maybe it's financial struggle. Maybe it's family dysfunction. There, there's so many things that are challenging. And, and as Christians, we press on in hope. Why? Because the God who gave himself for us will give us all other things because he's already given us the greater thing than every other material thing you can imagine any other created thing you can imagine and so as a christian i press on in hope knowing that nothing can remove my salvation nothing can knock me away from my anchor nothing will toss me about in the sea that i am confident and assured that's why the writer of hebrews in hebrews ten thirty five can say do not throw away your confidence which has great reward this assurance gives you purpose and determination to live this life of holiness And it also gives you this understanding that because God has given you himself, he will give you all other things. So heaven is going to be such a rich experience, primarily and ultimately because we have God himself. Mm -hmm. We are in presence with God. As the end of Revelation says that we have no need for a light or we have no need for all these other things because the lamb is the light and the lamb is the temple. So God's presence is what makes it grand. And yet there's still all the images of gold streets, of fruit, of rivers of like there's all these pictures of all these other good things and god is such an overflowingly good god that he gives you everything else on top of himself but himself being given to you is the greater thing than those material possessions so Mm -hmm. i want to encourage you on as a as a christian as you think about these things you already have more than this world Mm -hmm. because you have god and because god has given that to you because he's given that as a down payment of what is to come you will receive all of those other things And yet it's kind of like when Solomon 
it becomes king and God asks him, what, what can I give you? And he says, I want wisdom. And God says, that's amazing. Glad you asked for wisdom. But because you didn't ask for all those other things, I'm still going to give it to you. <laughs> and that's just the nature of God. He's an mm-hmm, overflowing mm-hmm. good God. Think of a, a great father who just loves to bestow good gifts. That's the picture we get in Ephesians 1 here. He's, we're told that he lavishes us with grace. He gives us all these gifts. He adopts us into his family. And then he just gives us more than we could possibly ask for. But because in this life, we're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to think. If I don't have X amount of money, if I don't have X amount of family, if I don't have this amount of children, if I don't have all these other standards you could say to determine whether or not you think God is being faithful to you, you're not going to be assured of your salvation and you're not living in accord with what the Bible puts forward as true richness or true inheritance. You need to understand that fundamentally you have him, which is everything you need and more. And your hope is that God may give you blessing in this life, and he already does. I mean, if you're listening to this, you're you're probably a person who is much better off than most people have ever been in world history financially. And so you're a blessed person in many ways already. But the reality is this, that even if all of those things are stripped away, you still have God. Mm. And that in heaven, you will receive not only the full presence of God, not only the full presence of the Lamb who will be your light, but you will receive everything else that comes with God's rich goodness overflowing to you because God, uh, John Piper uses the analogy well of God is like a fountain in some ways that overflows. And you wouldn't say that the fountain is lacking or that there's a problem with the fountain if it can't contain all the water that's filling up. Mm. It just shows that it's a rich supply. And in a similar way, God, when he just overflows and not only gives you himself, but gives you all these blessings, it's just conveying to you the richness of his kindness towards us. So that day-to-day, that's your hope. Dwell on the good nature of God, the overflowingly lavishing good nature of God, and understand that he's already given you himself. Mm. And that's the first installment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Like, what a God that we serve and live for. Amen. And what a word to end on, uh, just to to reiterate... um, we are given the Holy Spirit uh, as as the down payment of our salvation, and there's more yet to come where we will we will see God face to face, and we know and can be sure that we will see God face to face because we have already uh, been given God Himself uh, in the saving work of Jesus Christ applied to us by the Spirit. Uh, so until next time. Uh, Think on these things, but as always, love God, know truth, and live accordingly.